0: welcome to the red rain podcast here is your host from revenge of the birds walter mitchell welcome back cardinal fans thank you very much kyle liverock led better coming off a uh, disappointing 24 to 15 loss in denver um at Mile High Stadium, where the Cardinals have never won, I wrote an article on Revenge of the Birds uh, before the game. I think I wrote it on Saturday or Friday, um, titled "Mile High Hopes." I thought the Cardinals would have a decent chance in this game, um, so yeah, I was I was very hopeful that uh, they could stop the bleeding a little and and you know, feel good again about a game and about each other. And unfortunately, the second half woes continued for the Cardinals to the point where after the game, I the only tweet I could think of to write was I said in NFL game, if NFL games were thirty minutes, maybe the Cardinals would have an, have had an iota of a chance this year. But this is what happens when players opt out of OTAs and coaches cancel practices. This is an organization that has no clue how to capitalize on momentum, play-to-play, game-to-game, year-to-year. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is tough. Uh, It's just, uh, you know, this year it just seems like all we can seem to ask from these Cardinals are – you know, one good half of or decent half of football. Um, and the other half is just a complete meltdown or mystery or colossal comedy of errors. And uh, such was the case yesterday. Although the offense struggled from the get-go, I was very concerned about Colt McCoy. Um, he did not look himself at all. Um, I've never seen him so wild as he was yesterday. It made me wonder whether he was nursing an injury, um, and I was concerned about that. Uh, you know, I know he had the the um, arm ailment during camp, training camp, um, <clears throat> and with the uh, you know added pressure of now being you know the starter for the next four games, um, you know, and uh, maybe he was overthrown in practice. I, I don't know what was going on. But now we've seen a second quarterback regress in Cliff's offense. Of course, the Denver defense, which is fourth in the in the NFL, had something to do with that. But I look back at the Rams game, and the, you know the Rams defense is every bit of as prolific, if not more, than the Broncos. I mean, I would argue they have um, a higher higher profile players um, up front. And at linebacker, and Bobby Wagner, and a, you know cornerback um, with Jalen Ramsey. Although uh, Patrick certain is uh, coming on as a young player, you know, with the Broncos. But I would say, you know, and and Colt put up 31 points in L.A. against that group, where they had just come off a game stifling Tom Brady for three and two-thirds quarters. Um and Brady mounted a last minute comeback against them, but at, in Tampa Bay. So, but uh, you know, Colt didn't look himself at all, and I just felt you know so bad for him. I mean the 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 crew, um, Chris Myers. I mean they were pointing out how diligently Colt prepared for this game. But then we saw that, uh, you know, um, that from the get-go, it just seemed like everything was out of sync. I mean, in the Rams game, it was Cliff's rhythm and timing offense that we hadn't seen in a while, and then we saw it with Kyler when he came back for three quarters versus the the Chargers. So things seemed to be moving back in the same direction, but you know, what's so evident to me in the last few times, you know, that, uh, Colt has played with, you know, especially with both Deandre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown on the field, which they hadn't been on the field together all year up until a couple games ago is how out of sync they are with the offense. I mean, they can hardly line up They have to be motioned all over the place. No lineup here. There have been, you know, um, Illegal formations, there's been motion calls. Um, and again, they just sort of looked like, you know, um, not confused as to where to line up at times. And uh, I, it just was really frustrating. Um, and give credit to the, the, the Broncos defense, but give credit to ours. I mean, J.J. Watt gave an impassioned speech during the week to get these kids, everything, everyone fired up. And it showed, I mean, they came out, that was maybe the best, most dominant first one half of football this defense has played all year. I mean, Watt was on fire. I mean, J.J. Watt right now has nine and a half sacks on the season. And, um, you know, he had that great strip fumble to get the ball back. And Matt Prater had a good day going three for three in those conditions and the cold conditions in Denver, of course he's used to that because he used to kick there. Um, So we had a nine, three lead going into halftime and the defense was being dominant. And unfortunately, or no, we had a six, three lead going into halftime. And then, you know, we get the ball back to start on offense to start the second half. Uh, I just cannot understand how on third and short, knowing that like last game we were down to one quarterback after the quarterback got hurt did he call a read option run for the cliff would call that to mccoy i mean and mccoy gets the first down like the baller he is but gets concussed and is out of the game and mcsorley has to come in and to mcsorley's credit he he got him down in field goal range and uh prater kicks the field goal so it's nine three cardinals and we're thinking okay maybe maybe mick sorley can just pick up the slack and you know he was pretty decent in pre- pre-season haven't seen him since then um and he's got you know um some mobility to his game i mean right off the bat he was rolling out to his right which i love to see and made a nice connection um down to the sideline and Let me ask this question. So after the most dominant half of defensive football the Cardinals have played this year, how in the world do they give up three touchdowns on the next four possessions? I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling how that happens to this team. I mean, whatever was said at halftime, whatever adjustments weren't made, or whatever what was going on, I mean, how do you come out and just go from dominant to being dominated in the in the blink of an eye? I mean, on the first play, it was a, a Latavius Murray gallops for like thirty-five yards when they, you know, and got them rolling and gave them some momentum. Brett Ripon at quarterback started getting uh, in in sync. Um, they were cutting down on the on the sacks. The running game really helped them because then it could set up play action. When Ripken bootlegged, which I predicted on the on the you know Denver um, podcast that I did or radio show that I did with Jim Davis, I said you know you guys can bootleg all you want, especially to throw to tight ends. And sure enough, um, the running game set up the. The play action game and, uh, you know, ripping a couple of times. And he bootlegged, had wide open options. He could have run it himself. There was nobody there. And uh, through to the tight end, who was wide, wide open again. Um, I mean, we could go through it play by play, but it's just so clear that a defense that was so inspired in the first half, that same defense didn't walk out of the tunnel in the second half. And I mean that Denver offense to get three touchdowns in four drives. I think that's probably a record for them this year, except maybe the week before when Russell had him, you know, had his best game before he got concussed. I mean, I don't know how that happens. And I mean, you know, Latavius Murray might as well have been Kenneth Murray. It just happens over and over that off tackle plays some odd yards at times. With, with would-be tacklers bouncing off the running back. No contain, again. Um, you know, it's just so frustrating to watch, and it's such a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde scenario. We just don't know from game to game, from snap to snap, from series to series, what team's going to be out, you know, what, what the players are going to look like on the field. And you know that's really frustrating it looked to me like the defense could really help out the offense in a game where colt was was uh, off his timing and rhythm the whole offense was james conner was running hard again and stuff but um, you know right from the start i mean it, it it's just you know colt threw a good pass to deandre hopkins on a simple out pass for a third down conversion And Hopkins missed it and looked up like he got blinded by the sun. Uh, It's just stuff like that. It's just so frustrating. Um, And, um, you know, at this point, it's just almost seems like something to expect. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, you just wonder where these guys' heads are at. I mean, I felt bad for Colt last week because, as Cliff told him after the game and You know, you didn't have many reps all week with Kyler starting. And, you know, you were thrown into the fire here, and you had us up by halftime. I mean, it was similar to last week. Cardinals had a lead, a small lead at halftime. And the second half just uh, couldn't get anything going. And the defense, you know, buckled and very, very frustrating. You know, the running game, it was – other teams taking over their running, you know, being dominant in their running games in the second half. Um so but uh I want to talk about the future. I um, mean, you got to look ahead to see what's going on because during the week, you know, we learned that Steve Kime is now on medical leave, um a leave of absence um and the reports are that the Cardinals will make a change at GM based on Cliff and um, Vance Joseph's comments, you know, that the nature of the language they used sounded like, um, you know, uh, disappointment and, um, and what's happening for Steve, for Steve's sake or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> you know, that's led to some speculation as to, you know, what, what what, the nature of the medical issue is. Um, regardless, we hope that Steve Kime will recover well and be healthy. Um, but we also hope the Cardinals will recover um, from this season to next, and it's going to take some major changes, it would seem. Uh, it's getting harder now. I mean, I really feel for Cliff. I mean, he... You know, the way they've they've showcased him on Hard Knocks. You know, it's hard not to like Cliff in so many ways. I mean, none of the shit that's happened this year falls on him. You know, he's there every day coping with this. And I think he he deserves an award for how the composure that he's shown under daily duress. Um and all the you know the, the things that have popped up and He's been a steadying hand with all that. Unfortunately, his offense looks so stale, so predictable. um, And now two quarterbacks have looked like they've regressed in the system, um, not looking the same as they were, you know, at earlier times in their, you know, in their um, stints with Cliff. That's concerning. With uh, Colt with a concussion. Now I was reading during the week that I didn't realize how close Colt was to retiring a couple of years ago when he broke his tibia, um, in a game and was telling his wife, he'd probably, that was it. And then he got a phone call from Jason Garrett, um, who wanted him to come to the, be the backup for the giants. And he thought, Oh, well, let me give it one more chance. And then he had a good stint with the giants beat Seattle up in Seattle for them and then um got the call from cliff and he's been good i mean he's a he's a consummate pro um 3-3 three, three and 3 as a starter uh the 3 wins being on the road against the nfc west um and those were impressive double digit wins um you know so and this this time around the win in la was great but since then he's had up against some really tough defenses with a makeshift offense offensive line. Um, and, you know, he's the rhythm and timing has been spoiled, put it that way. And now it's affected his accuracy. And now that he's concussed, I mean, I, 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 I worry for him. I mean, I hope the Cardinals don't rush him back. Probably would be better to, I'd love to see him play on Christmas against Tom Brady, but, Unless, you know, unless Colt is feeling really, really good and, and is confident that he'll be fine, you know, it might be worth it to sit him out another week, call up, you know, have uh, Trace McSorley start the game with David Blau, um, who they just picked up, who was uh, Rondale Moore's quarterback as a freshman at Purdue. Interesting connection there although ron dale's long gone again um, we're going to talk about that personnel wise uh, a little bit later in the show but but uh, i want to just focus in on colt and i wonder what this will mean f- for colt um i wonder if he'll reconsider retirement cliff has touted him as a coach potential coach or analyst uh, cliff even said he could take my job now be good at it um you know, he's like the coach in the room, and we've seen that on hard knocks. Um, but once you, you know, mall retirement and the physical aspects of this game, I mean, Colt has taken has hung in there and taken a pounding the, the last two games he played in make it three, really, because the 49ers game second half, that was he hung in there on many occasions in second half and took a beating in that game, physical beating. And then the second half against the Patriots, I mean, he was sacked like, what, five, six times. Um, and in this game, uh, pressure was getting to him. And uh, consistently, he was trying to hang in there and deliver passes. The ball was sailing on him repeatedly and, you know, and a little off target. So I feel bad for him in that respect. But, you uh, know, maybe he's he's struggling mentally to st- to think at his age, how much, you know, he can endure um, physically in this role and being able to run the offense the way it's designed. Um, so, you know, with with that, I, I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if Colt wanted to retire and um, maybe didn't think of himself as a bridge quarterback for when Kyler can come back. Um, And that's so indefinite. Over the weekend, there were reports because it was a clean ACL tear that Kyler could be back sooner rather than later, maybe even start the season. I think that's those kind of expectations right now are, are, um, you know, I think it's a quick goal. Don't get me wrong. But the likelihood of that happening, I I mean, look at OBJ. Um, He's still not signed. um, And he's... Eleven months into his rehab for the ACL, and, you know, you know, Kyler's a little, maybe a little younger than OBJ, but maybe not by much. And you know, and this is his first major injury. There's going to be a, you know, some a psychological component to the comeback, as it is with everyone, as uh, Tyron Matthew documented during his two ACL rehabs. I mean, Dennis Gardek has not looked the same since he um, injured his although his was more extensive I think you know Kyler didn't um, damage the MCL but he does have meniscus issues that need to be cleaned up um, and patched so yeah I mean I think it's the wisest thing the Cardinals can do is to build a stable of quarterbacks not just for this year but for a couple years to come and with viable options, no matter who the coaches are, um, it probably, it would mean signing a free agent. Um, if you want to go to revenge of the birds, I had a, wrote a a menu of options for this year, um, during the week. Uh, I think you will find that very informative about potential. I highlighted some, some, uh, free agent quarterbacks that I thought might be pretty good pickups, like Mike White from the Jets or um, uh, Gardner Minshew from the Eagles. Uh, There are two that stood out. Um, You know, there there are others that are going to be available. So, but, you know, middle of the road guys, not guys that are considered franchise quarterbacks by any means, but you're going to need some – one guy with experience beyond Colt and then you're they're gonna need to draft a quarterback at some point in this draft. Day one, day two, day, day three. Now day one seems would be would seem unlikely because, you know, the expect expectation is to get Kyler back at some point during the season. Um but I mean it'd be awfully tempting if Will Levis is sitting there. Um you know, a guy you could groom behind Kyler Um, and have, uh, you know, quarterbacks are major assets. You can flip them for major draft picks. Um, But that's neither here nor there right now. I mean, right now, they want to draft the best possible players at whatever, you know, um, whoever's on the board when they get the chance each round. So, you know, when that could be a quarterback might be maybe the end of round three. It might be in round four or five or something like that. So, um, but I think, and there are some intriguing quarterback prospects. I out, outlined that in the articles too. It's the menu off season menu options. And you can order make, put, put your order in the com- comments section as so many as the R- ROTB fans did. They are awesome. So, um, and for another day, we can go through those options. But but I, right now, I want to just emphasize how important it is to get um, a stable of quarterbacks for whomever coaches next year. I mean, I, uh, with Cliff, it's getting harder and harder to support the notion of bringing him back, um, just because it's just gotten his offense has just gotten away from him and i feel bad for him because you know i mean during the week i you know hollywood brown was sick this week and there was questions as to whether he would play he was he only practiced i you know he missed some practices um wasn't feeling well gutted one practice out at the same time you have deandre hopkins you know with his practice schedule you know, can be an issue at times i mean clearly in a short week the offense did little to get in sync and get right so and when you can't run the ball the way they couldn't in the first half it just makes everything so much harder and you have longer downs and distances and you know and then you can't set up play action as much and um yeah just nothing was really in sync and you know chase trace sorely played hard in the second half, but. You know, that first interception, he thought A.J. Green was still going to continue his route. And for whatever reason, A.J. Green stopped. The A.J. Green situation, it's just, I mean, let's pin that down. I mean, who's, I mean, Cliff tends to delegate to his assistants as to who plays and who doesn't. I mean, Sean Jefferson was new last year, and he's the second year this year. And I, I don't know what's going on with Sean Jefferson, but and why even at this point they're playing AJ Green? I mean, AJ Green, check out the stat: has nineteen receptions in forty targets. Nineteen receptions in 40 targets for 128 yards that's an average of 6.7 which is like the team average for, for yards per pass and one td i mean with a long of 18. i mean really really um so and but because and let's juxtapose this with Greg Dortch, who's got 34 receptions, virtually twice, on 39 targets, which is a tremendous percentage. 34 of 39 for 324 yards, 9.5 average, and two TDs, and they're playing A.J. Green over Greg Dorch. I mean, what the frick? And what is it with, I mean, now we know what Andy Isabella was going through. All right. If, if, If the wide receiver coach isn't putting you in the game over guys like that, you don't have a chance. Nothing. Not a chance. I mean, so, I mean, the fact that Dorch was dressed yesterday and they had him available and, who did George star with in the preseason? Trace McSorley. Even better to have him in the game with Trace. But Trace is trying to trying to force the ball into AJ Green. It makes no sense. And if Cliff, you're in charge of the offense, if you can't oversee that or understand that, then it, it adds more fuel to the fire of what like whether what you know, what your thought process is to make those kind of decisions. I mean, we've been cheated of watching Greg George. He got off to such a great start, and they're icing him. Yeah, he's got a thumb issue, but he's fine. He's playing. I mean, he's returning punts. You know, and Rondale Moore's out again for the season. I mean, this is a repeat pattern of his since his freshman year at Purdue. I mean, we're not getting value out of him. He's only played eight games. And he's out for the year. He'll played eight games and missed nine games. You know, so the frustration's there. I mean, we need a new wide receiver coach, that's for sure. I mean, and we need, you know, we need a new offensive coordinator. And, you know, I mean, because this offense is stagnant, there's nothing creative about it. There used to be two or three creative plays a game where you just went, oh, wow, cool. But this year, it's just same old, same old week after week. And uh, it's so frustrating um, to watch. And, it's, you know, and are just wasting, you know, major talent in DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore. I mean, you know. Greg Dorch, I mean, Ertz was off to a decent start in 10 games, and now he's gone. The good news there is McBride's picked up the slack the last couple of weeks and looks the part. Really excited about that. Um, He's starting to show why. Max Williams had a couple nice catches yesterday, made contributions, so that's good. Um, You know, and James is still running – His tail off, he's averaging 4.1 yards per carry this year. 624 yards. You know, he's got six TDs. Um, The three fumbles hurt. He only lost one of them, though. But let's go back to this offense, too. Who would ever thought, I mean, get this for a stat. Tyler Murray was first in the NFL in deep throw accuracy last year. You know i went back and looked what his deepest longest throw was in his first three years the numbers is in 2019 it was 88 yards to andy isabella if you'll recall in year two it was 80 yards to kristen kirk in year three it was 77 yards to rondell moore all right so um you know you know what it is this year and now that he's last in the nfl Kyler Murray, last in the NFL in deep throw accuracy, his longest throw of the year was 38 yards. 38 yards. And his average, you know, throw is 6.1. And that hasn't changed with Colt. He's 5.9. And Trace yesterday was 5.7. You know, this is... I mean, this is just which proves my my tweet that, you know, when you don't show up for OTAs, you don't sync this up early and get it rolling into training camp. And both your quarterbacks were out during training camp injured. I mean, this is what can happen because, you know, during the weeks they're not getting it done, that either. And they're not doing installs because they're not seeing anything different, are we? And it's to the point where guys are still confused as to where to line up. It's very frustrating. And we really don't know, <clears throat> have a sense anymore, of you know, what this offense is trying to accomplish. You know, they're still playing small crawl ball most of the time. Although I was encouraged when Colt came back against the Rams, he was throwing more down, you know, 20 yards downfield than we've been doing to date with Kyler. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, things like that have got to be addressed, and you know, we gotta, we got the talent on this team to open up the offense big time. You know, we're gonna need stronger offensive line, etc. Obviously, I mean, the decisions to bring back guys who were con- contemplating retiring and weren't attending OTAs and. a Left tackle, who just wanted his bag, and was sitting out. I mean, so, you know, there are unfortunate decisions there. The left tackle who's in for him now is playing pretty dang well at that spot. And there's speculation that he's not comfortable at right tackle. And now they have this dilemma of what to do there. But what it's going to take for the Cardinals is, uh, you know, a stronger – gm who can come in here with quite a plan and it's going to be need to be a major plan hopefully in tow with coaches that he trusts and believes in um i just wrote an article this morning on revenge of the birds um called fitting the bills so i looked at the bills situation um and i'm going to do this with a number of teams i'm going to i'm going to go to Philly, I'm going to go to Kansas City, I'm going to take the top programs and look, is there a GM candidate there? And if so, what coaches could he bring with him? So um, what I found this morning was uh, when looking at the Buffalo situation and doing the research, I mean, Malik Boyd uh, for them is, uh, believe it or not, is a former college, college scout for the Cardinals. Was hired by Rod Graves um, and uh, actually won a scouting award, a national scouting award, while he was there. And in his time with the Cardinals, I mean, he was there from 2005 to 2017. He was there through the most winning stretch of Cardinal football in Arizona, you know, through the uh, Super Bowl you know, the Kurt Warner years and then the, the Bruce Arian here, the, the good years for Bruce, um, for BA. I mean, you know, with that kind of experience and he's been the senior director of pro personnel for the bills and they rave about him. And with good reason, I mean, look, look at the bills roster now, um, and look at the production they're getting, um, from, from them. Um, from that roster, it's impressive. Um, so, you know, and I, I wrote in the article, I think that because Malik Boyd would be able to return to the Cardinals with a far better understanding of how to pick coaches and players who are suited to vie for championships, his perspectives and experience could be extremely valuable. In that sense, in terms of overall experience and accomplishments, it can be reasonably argued that Malik Boyd is more qualified at the present time to be an NFL GM than Quentin Harris uh, and Adrian Wilson, and it could spare Michael Bidwell the onus of trying to pick one over the other. Harris and Wilson have worked with Malik Boyd previously, so a reunion of the three should be advantageous. Um, You know, there should be some chemistry there, some built-in relationships. So in this package, I had the Cardinals... You know, I was hesitating between Leslie Frazier as head coach or, um, you know, the their offensive coordinator, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Dorsey, Ken Dorsey. Um, you know, I thought about the Bills, Dorsey, but opted instead to tap into Leslie Frazier's outstanding experience. I mean, he strikes me as a guy who could settle this whole thing down. I mean, he's a teacher. He's got a great demeanor. He's sharp as attack as a defensive. I mean, he's got tons of experience. He he was a a head coach for for four years with the Vikings. I mean, Dorsey might be a head coach one day. Um, he's young. This is really he's still early in his OC career. But you know, his volatility reminds me some of Todd Haley's, and I just wonder. It would be too, too soon to consider him as a legit head coach candidate, just as it was for Haley when he was hired a head coach. It was too soon. And so, you know, but Leslie Frazier, I mean, he is a rock. And look at the job he's been doing in Buffalo. I mean, the players love him. But I what I love about him is he's, you know, he's – One of the most prolific teachers in the NFL, and he's a galvanizer um, who coaches with a steady and firm hand. He's poised, he's dependable, and he's confident. So, you know, a venerable coach of his stature, I think, could be a panacea locked in with a GM that he already knows and trusts and has worked with. And then for OC, I had Aaron Cromer, 21 years as an NFL assistant and two years as an offensive coordinator with the Bears. Um, what's impressive about him is that he has a diverse experience coaching side-by-side with the likes of Mark Trestman. When he got into the league, Tressman was the OC for the Cardinals for years, and I thought pretty creative mind. He's uh, worked for Sean Payton, so he's you know he's he's familiar with Sean Payton's offense. Ron Rivera, he was with Rivera in Carolina, O line coach there um, during their heyday. Sean McVay, he was with for three years. Um, you know, got, was with us was with McVay in the first Super Bowl they were in. <laughs> And now Sean McDermott. So he's been around top quality head coaches and and offensive minds. Plus, he's a highly regarded offensive line coach. And I thought, you know, well, it's all got to start up front. And, you know, instead of out-tricking people, we got to start out-physicaling people. And, you know, with who they add to the line and how they build this line and build it back up to be steely tough and durable and, and open up a running game so we can open up play action. You know, the only knock the the knock on, um, Cromer is eight years ago. He was charged with assault and battery after a scuffle with a small group of teenagers who were committing an act of vandalism. Eventually those charges for against Cromer were dropped. So he was never, you know, um, you know, he, they did suspend him for a while until that came out. And once that once his charges were dropped, he was reinstated. So, you know, that was the one blemish on his record. And I think there is enough evidence to suggest that uh, he might have been justified in trying to, you know, prevent the vandalism. And so I'm not going to count that as a major red flag. He's had no incidences since. It's been like eight years ago or whatever, so. And then, um, you know, but think about this. I mean, I know the Bills have been really excited about the job he's doing up front. Currently, the Bills are fourth in the NFL in rushing, averaging 5.0 yards per carry and tied for second in the NFL with runs of over 20 yards with 16. We don't have too many of those, do we? The Bills are also fourth in the NFL in passing. You know, how common is it for an NFL offense to be top five in both rushing and passing that is impressive and it takes the horses up front and the coordination up front to get something like that done so I kind of like him as as a uh, OC candidate he'd have to get a you know combine him with a quarterback coach slash passing game coordinator who fits the mold and I think we could have a, a really good combination there and but building this team back up through the trenches, it's got to be of, of paramount importance. Um, so then, over on the defensive side, I was torn between two two bills assistants. I went with the guy who was who's more more experienced. Um, it's their um their it's Eric Washington, who is their senior defensive assistant and defensive line coach. I think he's in his fifth, like 53. Um, He's got 15 years experience. He had two years of defensive coordinator experience with the Panthers. So he's done it before. Um, You know, the Bills defense line pretty good. I kind of like the way they play. Um, And he might be able to bring a couple guys with him, like Jordan Phillips um, and Shaq Lawson. Um you know, so uh I I tabbed him over a fascinating prospect that I wondered if if uh, if if Leslie Frazier was hired to be a head coach and was leaving, I was thinking they might promote Bobby Babbage, um, the linebackers coach. Uh Babbage's dad coached from the NFL for a long time and he's who recently retired. And his son started out as the Bills' safeties coach and helped to develop the prolific tandem of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. That's an accomplishment. And then they need had a need and wanted it. Sean McDerm- McDermott asked him to shift into to being over to being the linebacker's coach. And how about this stat? Look at the tremendous job he's doing this year with Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds who have identical 78.2 PFF grades, which is – up at the top for inside linebackers. Um, so that if they could steal Babbage out of that system, oh, he doesn't have you know play calling experience yet, but I don't think he'd be have a problem with that. He's just he's coached Pro Bowlers. He's helped turn these players into Pro Bowler Pro Bowlers. And um, we're in both positions, and plus his 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 uh, experience as a coach in safeties with our safeties. Wow, that could be a great fit. But I was exer- excited about Eric Washington because uh, he's a real good, good defensive line coach, and you know, and he's got experience as a defensive coordinator, and I think he'd bring that Bill system to Arizona. And that's very exciting to me with, with, and I think that Leslie Frazier, Frazier and Washington would coordinate the offense to the defense together. They'd work hand in hand. So, you know, that could be a win win there with Frazier, maybe Frazier calling in the plays or Washington through Frazier um, up in the booth. So or on the sidelines, wherever they want to do it. So, what, what I thought was very appealing about this package um, with Boyd at GM, with Frazier head coach, with Cromer at offensive coordinator, and Washington as defensive coordinator, is the experience that these coaches have at their positions. In other words, none of them are new to their jobs or first-time play callers, which is really great. Plus, if the Cardinals are going to, like I said, build a championship-caliber roster, they need to focus on winning games up front on both sides of the ball. So that aids and abets that cause, instilling coaches who understand and appreciate that and emphasize it themselves. So, um, and then there's a list of free agents that's really interesting in the Bills. Sometimes when you get GMs and and coaches from one system, some of their players are eager to go join them wherever they go. And so, um, but um, that's, that was today's thought. Woke up thinking that about the Bills. And I'm going to turn my focus to other system, other franchises, some of the top franchises. I think I'll go with Philly next. Um, some interesting choices there. Um, I'll just start at the top. I mean, the Bills are at the top of the AFC and the Eagles are top of the A- NFC. I'll, I'll just, you know, um, ping pong from AFC, AFC to NFC. And I'll provide you with all the info I can on the backgrounds. I, I do, in this article today, fitting the Bills, I, I, um, I posted their backgrounds, their resumes, and. Um, myself uh, the major parts of it i copied and pasted myself but then i i included the links to uh wikipedia where you know those are outlined really well and uh yeah and i i offered some videos too to give you a sense of the communicators these guys are and uh, gives you a sneak peek at that i always look at that and say you know just look the part um of a head coach and Leslie Frazier a slam dunk. I mean, he's solid. Um, maybe not the splashiest head coach candidate, but right now, I don't think we, you know, for coach, I'd love to see us get a splashy GM who can attract these coaches and attract free agents, um, particularly someone from the outside who's, you know, got a perspective from a winning organization. Or as a former player who won a Super Bowl and is an analyst, you know that type of thing, um, and and has a name for himself, an instant cred with players um, around the league. That would be be great. I mean, I I love Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, and if one of them's GM, uh, I'll be happy for them. I and you know I'll, I'll trust in them that. That they've got the vote of confidence of the players and, and, and that are already here, and which I imagine they do, and of uh, Bidwill, which they do. Um, but what they don't quite have is the experience of seeing this. They've only been with the Cardinals pretty much. They don't have the experience of seeing how it's done in other in other franchises. So you know, um, or maybe a they have a a bit of a sort of um limited perspective because they've just been in the cardinals organization but sometimes that can be you know knowing what what's ailing you can be a great way to know which areas you got to go fix so that could be you know good too but uh, in the interim we'll just see what outside candidates there are and you know, the, the advantage of hiring a GM who can bring coaches with them is the trust factor, which Cliff didn't have. Um and neither really did um, Steve Wilkes, if you recall. I mean, Wilkes was – Steve Keim had, um, you know, um, Mike McCoy in mind. I mean, to my knowledge, I don't think they ever worked together before. So these are guys who – you know, when you bring – Coaches who've been already working with there's a trust factor, and you already know you're ahead of the game, knowing what kind of personnel they they favor. You know they could go through the draft draft process and free agent process like they've been doing. You know that kind of continuity is really good to have, and it's a it's a leg up on um, you know um, advantage when you start a new regime with a new coach and a new GM. So that would be my argument there. Um, <clears throat> as time goes on, we got to figure out the Cardinals own free agents. It's, it's, you know, and what should be done. I mean, the one I'm really worried about is Byron Murphy. Um, you know, I don't know what he's looking at for salary, but it's kind of like, um, he's our defensive Kyler. um, banged up at the end of the year and not playing as well. And, you know, he's he's been out, I don't know, since week nine, right? And what are we heading into, week 16? I mean, Jake And, uh, you know, in a contract year, that's tough. I mean, I I love the guy. I want him to stay. I mean, he's a baller. But he's got to figure out how to, you know, um, how to be able to hold up physically, you know, so he can sustain his level of play. And I think, you know, once he does, you know, we would have a heck of a player. But like I argued for Kyler is I don't think you can pay him top cornerback money. You just can't. I mean, you've got to be smart about these things. And you, whatever contract you have to do with them, you have to have heavy incentives on games played um, and incentives on interceptions and, you know, tackles. and Those are very doable. So, but, uh, uh, you know, Byron Murphy, he's homegrown. I love him. I want to keep him. I just hope he's reasonable. You know, and the other guy on the other side of the ball, well, two guys are Hopkins and Brown. What's going to happen with them? Um, You know, Hopkins has, I think, pretty much exhausted already in just a couple, few years, uh, the, the guaranteed money. So he's going to want probably an extension. Well, I imagine he's going to want a lucrative extension. I mean, he's been back for, let's see now, what is it, seven games? Um right eight games, and he's got seven hundred thirteen yards and I think he's been leading the league in receptions over the last eight eight weeks so he came back hitting the ground running um eleven point three average three tds a uh, bit of a misfire on 53 catches on eighty six targets um which You know, for Hopkins, who's virtually always open, that's, that's, he could, you know, we could have been doing better with that. Yesterday, there were a number of overthrown passes and stuff. Um, But, and, um, you know, and he dropped one on the key early third down conversion. Maybe the sun was in his eyes. I mean, it looked like he was staring back into it. But, but the pass wasn't thrown up near the sun. It was on, you know, it was a direct shot. So um and then Marquise. I mean, it got him on the fifth year option. I mean he's has to agree to that, right? I mean, he's had an injury filled season, you know. Um he's only played nine games and out of he's missed five games. I mean can't be wanting big time wide receiver money given that right i mean i hope he'll be realistic i mean yeah yeah i mean so the cardinals have got a need to have a gm who will put his foot down and say no we want to see more from you and we believe we will and when you do when we see it you'll get it we got to have a guy like that can't be uh you know beating around the bush or and uh and with that so um i hope that marquis brown is is you know 13.9 million next year is not trump change so it's not 20 but let's see what how he acclimates another year and see if he's if it's market value is 20. right now i wouldn't say that it is should be necessarily so but i love him as a player and i love him as a person And um, hopefully that he settles down in the system. The one thing I didn't like about him is he's just kind of a Kyler tag along. I mean, I was disappointed that he missed OTAs and just hung out with Kyler. I mean, this wasn't all about just them. You got a team to consider. And um, that would have bothered me too. And I don't know now that Kyler's out and what the plan will be there. I just don't see him being able to be ready for early in the next season. That that seems um just ridiculously too fast. And you know, you gotta make sure that he's Kyler's feeling really confident. Um and you gotta give him reps because if he's on the pup list during training, you know, that will have meant that he's missed you know, he wouldn't have participated in the last, you know, they didn't have OTAs, you know, the way that they normally do because of COVID for two years. He missed over OTAs last year. He's not going to be able to participate on the field in OTAs. He could be in the building, you know, doing his rehab and training with the guys. So hopefully he's doing that. Um, he's got a $10.5 million incentive clause in his contract to do that um but you know there's an issue of reps and if we have a new coaching system there's going to be a learning curve there I just think at this point it's best for the Cardinals to think they're not going to have them for quite some time next year just so that they have a guy in place that they can really turn to um or two guys actually and have that in place um so that they're fine when Kyler comes back. So, I mean, they still have a chance to be, to win games, um, with, you know, a viable quarter quarterbacks, viable quarterbacks who can do that for you. I mean, wouldn't it be great if the Cardinals found their version of Brock Purdy? and dang, I knew they were interested in him. Um, local kid, you know, I know they, that they met with him and, um, you know, this, if they had had just one more pick, they might have taken him. Um, Jacobs. And they had those seventh-round picks. So, just got a good play, don't you? I mean, he is – he's the bomb. <laughs> he is special um, so far. You know, we'll see how he can hold up. He, too, is, you know, maybe – not built to last so we'll see um of course none of those 49ers quarterbacks have been you know in, in you know trey lance has been out jimmy garoppolo now and you know, so yeah you don't know what's going on with that but uh in that in that system um those quarterbacks seem to get banged up a lot so and so do the running backs and i can't believe how they're running mccaffrey into the ground um, they, you know, on the eve of the play, you know, three, four games from the playoffs together, you know, I would hope for their sake, they would try to keep them fresh, but, um, it doesn't seem to be Shanahan's style to, um, yeah, you know, he's a belt You want to ride, ride the bell cow and, and they're doing great. I mean, but. You know, with McCaffrey's injury history, you're pressing your luck, I think. Um, and I don't know why they traded away Jeff Wilson. That was, I think, a big mistake on their parts. But those are the 49ers. They're in the in the driver's seat right now in the NFC West. The Seahawks, you know, tried to battle back. Um and uh, you know, but they're they're still in the hunt at seven and seven, and now the Cardinals and Rams are in last place, and um, so uh, and draft picks are in the balance, and et cetera, et cetera. Although the you know the Rams pick goes to the to the Lions, and the Broncos pick goes to Seattle, so you know we know we're well aware about that, so. But the big thing now is getting a GM in place who with a plan and whatever that plan is, who the coaches he wants. Maybe Michael Bidwell will hire a guy and ask him to assess the current coaching staff. Um, or maybe Michael Bidwell will have an agreement in place that right from the get-go that the new GM is going to want to clean the slate and hire all his own people, which typically, if you were a GM, that's something you'd want to do. Getting guys that you trust, that you don't have to introduce yourself to, um, getting guys that you know um, and have faith in and have confidence in is a recipe for success. Um, There are fewer moving parts, and the trust factor is huge. as much as anything there in in football and organizations, there needs to be trust. And that's something that, you know, has unfortunately been part of the Cardinals undoing is that there's not a lot of trust between GM coaches, players. um, And that's why a change is needed and uh, could be very, very exciting to see who the Cardinals are going to tap. And a point for this, Really important turning point position um, for the present and future of this organization. So hang in there, guys and gals. Um, I know it's frustrating. As all get out, I had a um, on Twitter when I posted my thing about uh, about the you know Cardinals being good for, for thirty minutes in a sixty minute game and. And then you know, with the preparation that went into this season, lack of preparation, and you know, that this is and not having any clue how to capitalize on momentum. Like yesterday, you you score on the last possession to make it six-three. So you got the league going in the locker room. You come out, yes, Colt got injured, but McSorley kept moving the ball. Prater nails the long field goal. You're up six to three or excuse me, nine to three. And, you know, with a defense that dominated in the first half and on the first offensive play, they run for 38 yards on a normal off tackle play. It was nothing special. And then it's just snowballed from there. Three touchdowns to Brett Rippon and the Broncos, which to this point has been anemic offense in four possessions, and the Cardinals are out of the game. Uh, mounted a, a score late, but never threatened again. And just as was the week before with the Pats, I mean, they tying it up with, on a defensive touchdown, and then you know, getting two offensive touchdowns back to back, and suddenly it's point deficit, and you know, the game's over. So um, we need to turn that that equation around. And on one final note, I mean, I hope whoever the new GM is does everything he can to keep JJ Watt in the Cardinals building and on this roster. He is a true inspiration. It's amazing to me how other players in the organization haven't responded to him better. Zach Allen has. Buda Baker has, there are some who have, James Conner has, but there are others who haven't. And we, you know, we got to start answering the bell cow um, and matching him with, with guys that want to go ball um, consistently. And I mean, the effort he put forth yesterday in what was, you know, what people call a meaningless game. Of course, to me as a fan, every game's meaningful. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm sick of losing. I, I hope you are too. I'm sure you are. I don't want to feel that pain yesterday. Again, it was so painful to watch. You know, these are guys I care about. And, you know, I saw those speeches on hard knocks with, um, after Cliff spoke about treating them like men and everything. And I thought Chris Banjo was right on the money he was awesome i was so moved by that and then to be honest with you i was moved to tears by james Conner's speech he was like you know it's almost over the 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 tone of urgency in his voice and the passion in which he spoke and the and the, the the tone in which he spoke to his it was just so inspirational um that i was awed by it to the point of really feeling choked up i mean teams you know this is a brotherhood of sorts i mean and they're what's what's really unbelievable to me about this cardinals team is how many just high quality stars they have on the team and yet they can't seem to get gel the whole team together in a common purpose um that can be sustained through effort during the week and in the games um so frustrating but we know if we had a roster full of buddha bakers and jj watts and james connors i mean this would be a different story Um, so we got to get more like them but them leaving the building I hopefully is not an option and J.J. Uh, Watt is a special human being. He's he's someone to build your franchise around. And um, if he still wants to play, and it seems like he likes it in Arizona, let's uh, let's get him. Let's keep him for another couple of years. Um, and as long as he's he wants to play, so that's my my hope. My one of my biggest hopes this offseason. I hope it is yours too. So. Um, until next time, thank you, Kyle Little Rock, Better, as always, for your, your great productions and uh, for the fans. I uh, really enjoyed chattering with you on Twitter this past week. Stephanie Kana um, said that, uh, you know, um, <laughs> she made a great comment that she said so sad and depressed for everyone, team and fans alike fair to say all of us are way tired of it year to year but is there a real solution anyone can offer so i sent her my article on the fitting the bills um and she wrote me back nice note but uh you know, we gotta think of options we gotta do it together we gotta you know um that's part of being a fan base you gotta you gotta stake in this and i take it seriously and i know you do too That's why you're here listening this long on our podcast because you want to see this thing, um, you know, turn around like Dan Bickley wrote this morning about bringing on a new dawn. Um, We need a new dawn. There's no doubt about it. Whichever way it happens, the best way it happens will be great for all of us and for the players and coaches and anyone associated with the Cardinals. So until next time, may the red rain shower down on you into the red red sea red rain